Welcome, you're listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. Does that mean it's starting? Yes. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, Thanks no to better start. time than now, I guess. Welcome. <laughs> you are listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. And I'm not going to restart. This is it, man. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. You're listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. We, why'd I say it plurally? We are your hosts, Samuel and Sarah. Say hello. Hi. If you didn't already. With the... <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, all right. So our first bro- bo- first order of business is to thank, <laughs> is to thank our sponsor, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Um... Oh, please don't stop listening <laughs> I promise this gets us up on the way. <laughs> Just we're in a good mood. <laughs> um, all right, so today we're gonna be discussing something that Sarah actually kind of uncovered for us both uh, a couple of days ago. It talks about uh, imputation, which I'm going to explain, and also a little bit about how Christians are to view themselves as they live out their faith in the world. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so the first order of business we're gonna explaining imputation. Okay, so uh, imputation, you'll hear that a lot um, in a lot of theological classes and so on and so forth. And this is really what it means. It means what? You well, you also might not take theological classes. So if you don't, we're teaching it to you now. Yeah. <laughs> so imputation means the crediting of something one obtained or earned um, or had to others. So and. We're going to give an analogy because even I don't understand that <laughs> definition. Every time I read it, I get lost. Uh, so let's say you are convicted of a crime. Um, I'm not going to say murder. I'm not going to presume anything about our listeners. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> uh, let's say, let's say it was a white collar crime. All right. You were uh, embezzlement or something. All right. And you were convicted of it. And yes, you actually did embezzle. Um, and so you're convicted of it and you get you get the like 25 year sentence or something like that and straight up out of nowhere somebody just steps Me. forward and goes I step forward uh, Sarah steps forward I never embezzled fun fact <laughs> fun fact <laughs> kids are uh, curious Sarah steps forward and goes I will serve the 25 years for this person let this person go free and it happens so Sarah is now put in the prison for 25 years and you are now seen by the law as an innocent and free person so this is what imputation is that uh you did something wrong right and you're about to you're about to get the consequences for it and somebody steps forward and instead it serves the consequence for you and you are kind of let away scot-free um and really, the first the first type of imputation that happens in the Bible is depravity, where imputed depravity is really what I want to talk about first. Um, and so we go way, way, way back to the beginning, into Genesis chapter 1, where Adam, who uh, represents mankind at this point in the Bible, sins against God and... Boo, what? Adam. <laughs> yeah, boo! Uh, and therefore imputes his disobedience and sin on the rest of the world, on everybody that comes after him. So if we look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So start off with the preface, right? 
God is has created Adam in his image, pure and innocent, void of any wrongdoing. However, if we look at uh, Genesis 5.3, real quick, it says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. So this is after Adam has sinned. Uh, his son, Seth, was born in Adam's image. And while Adam was created in God's image, so Seth, while still in the image of God, is now born with the sinful nature of Adam, um, <clears throat> which Adam had brought on himself through his disobedience against God. And so straight from there, Seth is also another one who is uh, born with depravity. And if you're not totally getting that, we're going to give you a little bit of an image that you can kind of mark up in your mind. Uh, just think of one one big circle. Right? This one big circle is God's image. Now, draw another circle within that first circle. And we write Adam. All right, so Adam is created in God's image. He's within the circle of God's image. And now we draw one more circle right um, <clears throat> in Adam's circle. And we write Seth. And if we want, we can keep going. We can write another circle, another circle, another circle. Seth's children, so on and so forth. And all these things, although Seth was created uh, and born in Adam's image, he was also in God's image. Does that make sense to you? You're giving me a... No, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and if you need more proof about whether or not, you know, this is correct, let's just look at Romans uh, 3.10, where it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. So, through our sin, we are incapable of righteous of righteousness. There is nobody on the earth that is righteous. All right? If we look at um, Romans 5.14, it says, if it will load, there you they go. They probably have it like, typed out. I should have, but I didn't. So <laughs> uh, Romans 5.14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Um, so... This is where we see that Adam is a type of the one who was to come, and the one who was to come is going to be Christ. And it shows right here that we are sinning because even though our sin might not have been as bad as, you know, the first sin ever on the earth, we still sin. Um, and that concludes the idea of imputed depravity. So if we look at the complete antithesis of this, we will look at imputed righteousness. And before you start with that, go ahead. Just like a quick, if you're not understanding imputed depravity, go ahead and run it back and re-listen or do some research on it first. There is a book by R.C. Sproul called "Saved from What" that I think does a great job explaining it. There's actually a sermon of it too, so you don't have to read a whole book if you're not into reading. Um, but that's because if you don't understand imputed depravity. Again, that is that all humans are born into the sin because of Adam's sin. Like, all of us are sinful. If you don't understand that, then you're definitely not going to understand imputed righteousness, which is that antithesis that Samuel was talking about. And this whole thing will just not make sense. So definitely, if you don't get right. imputed <laughs> depravity, you're not going to get what each, we're about to talk about. Each part is 
it's kind of like an example of intelligent design where like without one of these parts it's not going to work without grasping what um imputed depravity is imputed righteousness is not gonna well i I think more like um like the gospel which can mean to make right with something like in if i want to make something right with someone that means that i did something wrong so with imputed depravity there is something wrong we are sinners and in order to make it right this is the solution this imputed imputed righteousness, righteousness which is right and if I just taught you imputed righteousness straight up, you would understand. He's like, what's the point of imputed righteousness if there was no imputed depravity? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so getting right on um, imputed righteousness is clear one fact out of the way. You read the Bible. There's one thing that you know for a fact is that Christ is righteous. Right. He's never sinned. He never did anything wrong. Nothing of the sort. Everything about Christ was perfect and correct. All right. And so through... Christ's sacrifice on the cross when he dies for our sins we have that righteousness that Christ had and we have that righteousness imputed or credited to our account so although we are not righteous by any stretch of the imagination as it says in Romans 3 10 there is none righteous um, <clears throat> Christ's righteousness is gifted to us despite our sinful nature and I think the best uh, passage to explain imputed righteousness is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. So it says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God with him, in him. All right, so the first thing that I notice is that reconciliation is a word that is said several times <laughs> during that passage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people sometimes, they don't, they don't know what reconciliation means. Um, and it's a big word. Yeah, it is, it is a big word. Um, and it basically means restoration or making things right. Like what you were saying, mm-hmm. I have have a relationship with somebody and I, I mess it up and the relationship is damaged. My goal now is to restore our relationship, to make things right with that person that I have wronged. Um, and if we look at this passage, we'll see that reconciliation is a big part of God's work. Um, so let's look at this. You look like you want to say something. Yeah, no, I think it just hit me. <laughs> uh, just how amazing that is, right? Because we just talked about imputed depravity. Yeah. It was Adam who sinned and us who continue to sin. And yet it was God who reconciled the relationship between us. Mm. Not Adam, not us. Right. God. Like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. That. Oh, perfect. That's actually going to be one of the points. Go for it. Sorry. Right no, you're good. Um, so we look at the first part of verse 18. Now, all these things are from God. Let's stop right there. We have no idea what these things are if all we had was verses 18 through 21. But um, I'm not going to read it. But just before this passage, Paul was talking about the new life that a new believer enters when they are when they finally begin to believe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well so, put. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so one thing is made clear about this new life is that it is from God. We don't... we. We have not done anything for it. So these things are from God. All right. 
Uh, next part is who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So here we see that God gives the opportunity for us to be restored to him. He gives it to us, like what you said. Even though we were the ones who sinned first, we're the ones who uh, <laughs> were the ones who messed up the relationship. God is the one who's doing, who's making all the work to give us the opportunity to be restored to him. Right, because we're the ones who broke away from his righteousness through sin. You still giving me that eye like you want to say No, something? I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm just going back to the idea of a relationship because that's what it should be and that's what it is really between us and God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's say you're in a relationship with someone and you cheat on them and you're just like, you know what, I think we need to see other people. It's not you, it's me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we need a break. And then this person, you know, like, pursues you still. And they're like, you know, I love you and I forgive you. And I, I'm do- willing to do what it takes to restore our relationship. Like, shouldn't it be the other way around? I'm the one who cheated. I'm the one who did mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. And that's exact. that puts it into perspective exactly. I think you explained that part maybe even better than I did. <laughs> um, so let's look at verse 19 here. It says, Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So this is like the kind of like the preface, like we're starting to get into really the deep part of imputation, where um, if we look at this first phrase where he says, God was in Christ. Now that tells us that Christ is holy and completely righteous, right? Because if God has Christ within him and really God is Jesus Christ. He's the son. Um, Christ was the only acceptable sacrifice because there is no imperfection in God. So he's the only one who would have been able to take the sins away from the world, as it says here, not counting their trespasses against them. Because he was the only one who was completely righteous and would have been able to atone for all of the things that we have and will do wrong. Yeah, so like going back to that image of me because I'm so awesome, Step, <laughs> stepping in for you because you embezzled. If I also embezzled and I stepped in, I'm like, you know, your honor, I will take a sentence. I should take a sentence. I embezzled. Yeah. But it it totally changes the story if I have never embezzled in my life and now I'm stepping up for you. I do not deserve that time at all. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm the one stepping up for it. So it's, I think that's the difference here with Christ. It's kind of like, and I actually, I was thinking of saying this before, but I didn't know how uh, correct it would be. But in this particular case, now that we're really getting into imputation, it's as if the judge was the one who stepped down and served mm. the time in prison instead. The one who is... You know, especially in the court, the highest of respect. Yes, the one who is supposed to give, the one who is worthy of giving the sentence is the one who takes the sentence instead. That is the, that is what is amazing here. And that's, that's like the the big act. Yeah, like (laughs) there's all like, we could end it here. You're right. (laughs) But um, we won't. But we won't, we won't. (laughs) We still, uh, yeah, we still got some other stuff. Uh, So... If I just touch up on that last phrase again where he says, not counting their trespasses against them, this is the proof that Christ opens the door to restoration with God. This is the proof that our sin is wiped away mm. because the trespasses are no longer being held against us because Christ has already done the time for them. And the last part is verse 21 here. Okay, we're going to skip over uh, 
the rest of the passage and look at verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is huge, man. This is literally where imputation is done. That verse alone is what tells me the truth of, impu of, of imputed righteousness. So in order for us to have any sort of case, we must totally rely on Christ's actions because ours are pitifully depraved, right? He knew no sin. He had nothing but righteousness within him. And he instead became sin on our behalf and became sin, meaning that he took all of the sins of the world and put them on his shoulders rather than letting us die underneath it. He took that sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. In Christ, there is righteousness to be found. There is righteousness that has been given to us, despite us nowhere near deserving of it. Yeah. Um, so I think with those two really clear and fundamental explanations and examples of imputation, we can kind of start to transition into the paradox that we're going to talk about. Um, but thinking back to our lovely legal case that we've drawn on, uh, I'm loving it because I am the one who is doing, I, I'm the, here's the key word, I'm the saint in this scenario, right? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Keep it a surprise, man. Don't tell them yet. Well, well, so think about it. In this case where I stepped up, I've never embezzled before. So according to the court of law in this scenario, I am perfect without a flaw, without a blemish, without a criminal record. And a word that the Bible uses for that, someone who is holy, perfect, righteous, without sin, is a saint. Now, on the other hand, you who have embezzled, you do have a criminal record. You do have blemishes. You have failures, imperfections. You're unrighteous. You make errors, mistakes constantly. The Bible would say that you are a sinner. So here we have this saint versus sinner kind of complex um and so thinking about like what you were just saying he who knew no sin he was a saint he is i'm sorry he's not dead <laughs> um he is a saint so he who knew no sin became sin so he took our sin when we were sinners um and so just a reminder and when i'm saying you are a sinner um i'm gonna now leave our beautiful scenario of the court because I too am a sinner, although I do not embezzle, well. yeah. <laughs> I have plenty. <laughs> I do sin. Um, I have imperfections, I have flaws, temptations, and um, all of us fall into that category. The first three chapters of Romans, Romans one through three, um, he, Paul pretty much comes for everyone. And it's just exposing everyone yeah, for being a sinner. She does not hold a single punch, man. No, I love Paul. <laughs> I love him. Um, so the first group he goes after is, like, those who don't believe there is a God. So the atheists, agnostics, they're, like, sitting back there. And he's like, hey, man, just because you don't believe there is a God doesn't mean that you don't sin. You still are unrighteous. You still have imperfections. For those who, like, know there is a God but just straight up don't care or, like, do what they want to do, like, for those people, they already know that they are sinning. So Paul barely had to say anything, but he's like, also, you guys, you guys sin. In case if you were deluding yourself. <laughs> right. 
But then he turns around to those who are deluding themselves. And this is where a lot of us fellow Christians, if you're listening, fall under that group of Christians, of believers who are like, yeah, but, you know, I read the Bible every now and then, you know, I, I, I dabble in that church stuff. I don't embezzle. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So he turns around. He's like, yeah, you guys too, actually. You're the ones who are pointing fingers at all of these bad people, these right. sinners. And while you might not do the same level of sin. You still sin. Right. Um, because we are sinners. And if you remember in Romans, like you said, we all fall short of the glory of God. So we are all sinners. And this is where we get in to our second segment, to that paradox. Um, so now that you understand saint versus sinner, really what they are, who they are, um, this is where we got this idea, actually. We were are part of a discipleship group. And right now we're reading uh, Disciples Making Disciples by the Timothy Initiative. And uh, some of the things I'm going to quote, just know it's from this book. But this is a little exercise that I want you to do. So just take 10 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever. Close your eyes. Picture this, right? We have a scale. On the left side of the scale is the word saint. And you know this means perfect, blameless, without sin, righteous. And right next to it is that number one. So number one means you're a saint. Now we go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All the way on the other side of the scale is the word sinner. So I want you to take just 10 seconds. Close your eyes. Where would you rank yourself on this scale? A one, a saint, a ten, a sinner. And I'm talking like a sinner. Or you're like somewhere in between. Maybe you're halfway. So just take a second to do that. Okay, cool. You actually, you got it. It was exactly on 10 seconds. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so you really had 10 seconds to think about it. Um, and I've, I'm hoping that you should be thinking about, you know, why did you rank yourself the way you did? And this is the question that follows the scale in our book. And um, Samuel and I have been just kind of asking whoever we feel like this question because we're just genuinely so curious now. And it is amazing the different answers right. that we've been hearing and seeing and explanations you know we get like a weird number something like some get someone will be like you know i'm, I'm like a 3.5 i'm like what is that 0.5 what is that <laughs> like i don't embezzle but if i could i would like you know <laughs> so um thinking about that number um and if you are a christian you might actually align with what samuel and i uh picked because interestingly interestingly enough the majority of Christians are actually leaning towards or will rank themselves at that 10 spot, like the, the center spot. Yeah. I know I did when we did this exercise. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, I actually, I misread the graph and I literally circled the word center on the <laughs> far right. Like I just, full I, didn't commitment even, right there. I didn't even look at 10. I was like shooting for, <laughs> shooting for the stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right. So, um, so a lot of us as Christians are circling either sinner or 10. Like we are completely identifying with that side of the scale. Right. But didn't we just talk about imputed righteousness? Aren't we technically, all that righteousness has been a credit to us. We're technically saints. And we know it because that is the foundation of the gospel. I know that I am a saint because I know that 
Christ's righteousness has been credited to that me. is the good news right the, yeah the good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and came back in order to make us have a chance of being in heaven with him and it wasn't that he like died and came back and it was like bro that's dope he did that for us and that's what that's what's really important here right so if i know that and believe it like i say i do then why did i and why maybe did you rank yourself towards the sinner side this is like that paradox that we're seeing here um so i would just like to get into it like positional versus practical truth so positional truth here is that we have imputed righteousness okay we understand that we have imputed righteousness that is our current position condition now the practical truth is that we should view ourselves and behave live as saints right because it's true positionally that i am a saint so therefore practically i should live as a saint um but yet we are struggling with this idea so i mean like with positional just to give an example because I, I do this in other parts of my life as well. Uh, the positional truth is I am broke. This is true. If you we, uh, thanks, we are low on funds. On funds, yeah. So <laughs> donations. Here's my Venmo. Um, <laughs> no, so if you look at my bank account right now, you would see that I am broke. That is a positional truth. My bank would tell you, "Yep, Sarah is broke." If you actually looked at how I live, practically, so this would be the practical truth. I do not live. Like, I am broke. I am constantly spending money from anything from bubble tea to... I just went to Sephora the other day and just blew, like, $80, $100. Yeah, and I, I was there for that. It was like, <sighs> it really happened, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just went out to eat today, spent money. I went to the movies last night. Like, you know, I'm just spending money left and right, even though I know of that positional truth. So why do we do that? Why do I wake up every day... And not identify myself as a saint. Why am I waking up and like sinning still, you know? Why am I living like a sinner if I know that I'm a saint? And I think that is the paradox we're trying to analyze here. Um, and we're going to get to how to, yeah. Well, did you define, did we define paradox yet? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> if you don't know, if it, this whole real time quick, has been. Real quick. <laughs> it's been a little confusing. A paradox is something that's like seemingly absurd or, or um, contradictory, or yeah, or contradictory. But then when you actually like explain it or investigate what it means, you're like, oh, that's true. That makes right. sense, right? So the the positional truth that we are saints, saints, and yet practically we still live like sinners, and it's like well, that doesn't compute. But if you really look at it we see the, the differences that are made between saint and sinner and the differences that is to make on our lives. Mm, yeah. No, yeah, thanks for bringing that back. Um, so really, if you chose anything on that scale other than saint, like me and Samuel also did, Samuel and I, sorry, you may be basing your identity on your performance rather than what Jesus did. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Amen. So there is nothing that we have done, no gift of God. I mean, it is the gift of God. Um, that way we may not boast. And so our identity as, as Christians should no longer be based on our ability to meet God's standards because we fall short, remember. So instead it should be based exclusively on what Christ has done on the cross for us. And it's really like thinking about the scale, we're like, well, we should really find, you know, that balance. That balance meaning that I should be circling saint, right? And that will help me live truthfully. Um, just getting into, like, I guess, like, how to apply this paradox, because I don't think, I think it's wrong to wake up every day and continue to sin and see myself as a sinner. Um, there's actually a song, <laughs> Shame, by Josh Garrels and Andy. Well, it's it's by Andy Mino. Oh, um, featuring. Jo- featuring Josh Garrels. Yes. That song, uh, please give it a listen, actually. I remember listening to it, and I was like, oh, man, this goes hard. And just constantly, there's like this one line where he's just, you know, like, why do I hate myself, you know? I'm about to hate who I am. Yeah, yeah. And he just is constantly, like, just focused on his sin. And he's like, I'm a sinner, and I wake up, and all I want to do is sin. I mean, there's a part where Paul is saying that, you know, why do I do the things that... I know I'm not supposed to do. Why do I think... Why do I do the things that I know I hate? Right. And that's really the question. Why are we doing this? And, like, why am I identifying with this sinner mentality when I have been saved? If you read all of these introductions of the letters of the epistles, so, like, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. And it goes on. If you read Colossians 1, 2, Philippians 1, 1, Ephesians 1, 1, all of these introductions, they continuously say that they're written to saints. So if we're constantly being, you know, reminded, like if I am a saint, why am I not living one like one? And if I actually believe that I am a saint, how can I change my life so that I try to live that way? Right. And note that God is not looking for you to live like right, a saint yeah. because remember, remember, you can't earn it and you he's already done it for you. And remember like what Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. And that other verse that you were talking about, I can I don't understand why. I can never remember the reference of it. For the wages of sin is death, right? And um, was that even the verse I was trying to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there was a verse that I wanted to... Uh... I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Which what word are you trying to say, bud? <laughs> um, carry on, man. <laughs> I don't even understand why I even jumped in like that. <laughs> because I swear I had something to say, and I can't remember what it was. All right, Continue sorry. on, and then let me see if I remember, you know? <laughs> All right, well, I was about to get into the application part. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. If you're just as confused as I am, like, we need to, we need to change this. You remembered? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, go, so, go, go. Right. So, that. yes, this is what you said. We're for all fall short of the glory of God, right? Regardless of how hard we try or how hard I try to focus and everything like that, every day is never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be at that level of righteousness that Christ was. I'm never going to be completely righteous while I'm on this earth. But that does not mean that it is not a goal that I should be pursuing. Because if I'm to be like Christ, then that is it. I am pursuing righteousness. I am pursuing complete 
pure and innocent righteousness. And I may never, and I'm never going to reach it while I'm here. I'm never going to reach it while I'm in uh, this body. But that does not mean that it is not a goal to always be pursuing. Right. Um, Which I mean, can actually, kind of lead into our application a little bit. <laughs> right, no, it does, it does. Um, and I guess, like, I, okay, I'll, I'll say the other part later. Okay, so uh, getting into our application, so just kind of like wrapping up, we've talked about what imputation means. Um, you know, you're getting something that is credited to you even though you did nothing to earn it. And because of my imputed righteousness, because Jesus died on the cross instead of me, and took my sin upon him and now i'm seen as righteous because i know that god sees me as a saint because of what christ has done for me i should be more aware right of how i fall short so notice how as christians we were circling sinner we were circling number 10 and that's because we're so aware of what perfection is christ that we're more aware of where we're falling short all of these sins so i'm going to identify as a sinner because of that and the truth is if i'm recognizing how much i fall short instead of focusing on how i fall short instead of focusing on the sins and the cycles of sin and temptations that i'm continuously finding myself in i should focus on how grand his mercy god's mercy and god's grace um are for my life and this is what i wanted to say earlier paul actually says should we continue to sin so that God's grace may abound? He said, by no means. So here's basically what that means. Um, I'm saying here that, you know, the more I realize how sinful I am, the more grateful I am for God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And so, you know, hey, maybe I should sin a little bit more. And then I could be like, wow, God, you really are great still forgiving me. Eh, maybe I should sin a little bit more. And Paul is saying, should we do that? Because God's grace can cover it all. It really can. He says no, like what you were saying, just because that he can doesn't mean I am continuously sinning. And if I am continuously sinning, trying to push and test God's grace, I am truly not understanding what, how big this imputed righteousness thing Mm -hmm. is. And sorry, just one thing. um, uh, Romans 3.20 really puts that into perspective where he says. Can you tell we like Romans? Yeah. (laughs) For by works of the law. No human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Mm. So through us knowing these things, through us knowing what is right and wrong, through us knowing what Christ has done for us, we are made, we are to be made more conscious of the wrong that we do. And like to using that and then right after it, placing what Sarah was just talking about, how even though this is true, even though God's grace can cover all the sin that we do, this does not give us an excuse to sin more. And if really, truly, if that is really what your thought process is, we're like, oh, well, I'm about to sin, but God can forgive me about it later. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Then you seriously need to consider the status of your faith and whether or not you truly are saved Mm. because this is not the way to view God's grace. It's not the way to view the righteousness that has been given that is there for the taking for those who will believe in Christ Jesus. That is truly wrong. Continue. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I just wanted to wrap up kind of something related to that. Maybe 
a little less intense, but <laughs> um, someone was just mentioning, because we were talking about this paradox, because oh, yeah. we've been yeah. kind of excited about this anomaly. Like, why do we keep living like this? And someone was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we just forget, you know, about God's grace. And I kind of thought to myself, what? That is an insane thing to forget. You're telling me that when I wake up, I just casually forget that God sent his only son who never sinned, who knew no sin, to come down to earth and die on the cross in my place so that I could be seen as righteous and restore our relationship. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Whoops. No, I I actually, I don't think that happens. And again, like we were saying, if you do think that happens, then you might need to actually study the gospel again because and reevaluate it is such a believe. big deal it'd be so, it, that's something that's so insane to forget and that is the core like that is like what that i said is before what we're like yeah like what i said before where we were talking about reconciliation and restoration where that is literally like it like that is the big point in salvation right so again if we're not forgetting it then then how, like what's happening that we keep living mm-hmm. not how we should be um and I would say that we actually need to refocus. It is constant. We, and I, I mean, I live in the U.S. And here in the U.S., it's, and New Jersey of all places, it's go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. I get up. I'm thinking about work. I'm going to work. When I come home, I'm actually still thinking about work. Then, I, you know, I might go do something. I'm thinking about that thing. I'm just, there's so many distractions. And some of these things are good, right? A career, a family, relationships. These are good things. But when Satan uses them as distractions and we get unfocused, then suddenly we're identifying as a sinner. We're like, man, I keep falling to this temptation. Man, I need God's grace now more than ever. And while those things still might be true, what's also true is that positional truth that we are still saints. So if I refocus myself and if I wake up in the morning and actually, you know, declare, you know, I am a saint and this is not a lie I made up. This is not, I'm not hallucinating. It's in the Bible. I am a saint. Then maybe, just maybe, if I continuously say that I'm a saint, if I continuously read the Bible, if I continuously hang out with people who are going to encourage me and worship the Lord with me and remind me of who I am in Christ, then just maybe I'm actually going to want to live as a saint. And so if you're looking for a how-to out of this long, really meta podcast right now, (laughs) um, the how-to would be to refocus. Um, I will just leave you with that picture of Nebuchadnezzar when he is wild, right? He's just like, his nails are super long. His hair is gross. Right, he's, he's eating grass. And all he did was refocus. The verse says, and he looked up and he remembered who God was. So he didn't, it wasn't this like, oh, I totally forgot that I was a human. It was a lack of focus. And I think that's where we need to do um, with this paradox. And that's really our goal here where, you know, we sit at this desk where our goal is really to, and not only refocus you guys, but also to refocus ourselves. Amen. You know, that's the that's the goal. That's why we want to be here and talk about this stuff. Right. Um, and so if you, like us, are really into music, as we wrap up, I would like to actually quick shout out to this song. It is called Enough by Antoine Bradford from his album called Dear Struggling Christian. So apropos. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
So um, he actually talks about in this song how he wants to be enough for God. And then he's like, oh, wait, you make me enough. Um, so definitely I would give it a listen. It's really good. Um, and just as a reminder, you have been listening to Remaining in the Vine podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Samuel, and we will definitely be praying for you this week that you may actually refocus and try to live like the saint that Christ's blood has made you. Thanks for listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at RITVine. And remember, you bear fruit by remaining in the vine.